This Quietcast podcast is brought to you by Ideas Digest. I'm Conrad. And I'm Matt. Each week, two optimistic Aussie blokes explore new (laughs) and challenging ideas outside of our echo chamber on our totally realistic quest to achieve world peace, maybe some personal enlightenment. Is that too much of an oversell? No, just roll the montage. Okay. I'm right and you're wrong. What are you talking about? Straight men enjoy gay sex. What? The Bible is extremely pro-abortion. You're a sexist man who loves Jordan Peterson. This is progressive? No, this is arson. Do you think that kick us out? I've done psychedelics 150 times in my life. Why the hell should I trust you now? Don't define me by what I do in bed. Oh my God. These ideas can be like membership key to a particular social group. So break free from your echo chamber each week on Ideas Digest, anywhere you get your podcasts. It's going to be an amazing time. Amazing. (laughs) My name is Safi Kaskas, and I don't always drink a second cup of coffee, but when I do, I prefer to have a second cup with Keith. It's good to the last drop. Hello, and welcome to Second Cup with Keith. I'm your host, Keith Giles. I am the author of the best-selling Jesus Un series of books available on Kindle, print, and Audible on Amazon, including the most recently released Jesus Unarmed, How the Prince of Peace Disarms Our Violence. I'm also the founder of the Square One course and community for people that are going through deconstruction and want help moving into reconstruction of their faith. For information on that, you can go to keithgiles.com, which is my blog on Pathios. Or you can also go to bk2sq1.com. That's bk, the number two, sq, the number one, dot com, which stands for Back to Square One. Anyway, welcome to another episode of Second Cup with Keith. I hope you've been enjoying the podcast so far. I would love to get feedback from you, by the way. And, you know, if you're on the Ethos Radio app, there's a little place there for you to do a little voice tag or a voice message, and you can use that feature to let me know what you think about the podcast, suggest topics for upcoming episodes or things like that. I would love to hear from you. In today's episode, I want to talk about something else that I feel is very foundational for Christians to understand, and frankly, it's something that I think a lot of Christians are very confused about, mostly because of the way we have been taught to approach and to see this particular issue. And so again, it's a very foundational topic. What we're going to be talking about in today's podcast is the inspiration of Scripture. What do we mean when we say that the Bible or that the Scriptures are inspired? Well, first of all, I guess what I would want to say is that the way that we're typically taught to think about the inspiration of Scripture is usually a little formula that works something like this. This is typically what comes to us from the pulpit. We're told that, you know, all Scripture is God-breathed, and therefore that means that it's inspired by God, and therefore if it's inspired by God, well, it cannot be wrong, it must be inerrant, it must be infallible, it can have no mistakes whatsoever, no flaws in it, no contradictions at all, because it's inspired by God. And so that's the formula we're typically given. I would like to suggest another way of thinking about inspiration, when we say that scripture is inspired. Let me give you an example. This is something that has really happened to me. And by the way, this this may be something that's happened to you on more than one occasion. So let's say I'm driving in my car. And while I'm driving in my car, I'm talking to God, I'm I'm wrestling with something, I'm praying about an issue, something that's heavy in my heart, something I'm, I'm really wanting to God to give me some kind of an answer about, or just something I need peace about. And as I'm driving, I turn on the radio. And randomly a song comes on, not even a Christian song, just a song on regular pop, sort of secular radio. And as I'm listening to the words of this song, 
It's as if God were speaking to me from heaven through the lyrics of this song. And in fact, what I'm hearing on the lyrics of that song is, you know, surprisingly and beautifully, wonderfully, the answer, the peace that I need, the missing peace that I had that I was wrestling with just a few moments ago. And as I'm listening to the words of this song, and I'm hearing these words as if it were God himself singing these words and these truths to me over the radio through this song, and I start to cry. My heart just begins to to be so blessed and so overwhelmed and so filled to the brim with joy and peace and thanksgiving and, 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 and thankfulness. I'm just, God, I'm so grateful. Thank you, God, for speaking to me through this kind of random song on the radio. Now, let's see. When I get to your house, let's say I'm driving to your house, and when I get to your house, I knock on the door, and I, you notice that I'm, I have tears in my eyes, and Keith, what's going on? And I, I come inside, and I tell you the story. I say, you know, I was driving in my car. I was really worried about this situation. I was wrestling and struggling. I was praying about it. Then I just turn on the radio, and you know what? This song came on, and the words of the song, it was just exactly the answer of what I was asking God about. It was as if God was himself sort of speaking to me, singing to me, this beautiful truth, transformative truth that was setting me free through the lyrics of this random song. Now, after I told you that testimony, what if you turned to me and said, okay, Keith, so do you think God wrote that song? Well, of course not. God didn't write that song. That's not what I mean when I say that that song was inspired. What I'm saying is that God, I mean, I really do mean this, the creator of the universe spoke to me through the lyrics of this song and a profound and beautiful and healing truth to my soul in that very moment, in a miraculous and transcendent way. That's what I mean when I say that that song and those lyrics were inspired because it means God used them to speak to me something that was necessary and essential for my spiritual growth and development. Well, if you also then responded and said, well, Keith, is that song lyric infallible? Well, no, (laughs) that's the wrong question. Why would you even ask or expect that song lyric to be infallible or inerrant? That has nothing to do with whether or not God spoke to me through it. That's the way I think we should be thinking about Scripture when we say that Scripture is inspired. So if I view a beautiful work of art in a museum or let's say I watch a film that transcends the storytelling to communicate something really deep and profound to my soul, something maybe even that the screenwriter or the director or the actor or the songwriter or the painter never even intended to communicate in that moment, but God did. In other words, God is able to speak to us through the nature or through works of art, through music, or even sometimes even just another conversation with a friend over a cup of coffee. Because that's happened to me too, and I bet it's happened to you a few times as well, where you're having a conversation with with a friend, and all of a sudden they will say something, and it just resonates in your soul with such profound truth that you say, wow, I need to pay attention to this. I think God is speaking to me through my friend. So inspiration, just it just means that God is able to speak truth to us through a variety of means, songs, poems films, painting, nature, sculpture, conversations, and maybe even just in silence. All of those things are inspired in the sense that God is able and capable of communicating some truth to us in that moment 
that is essential for our life and for our spiritual growth and development. That's the way I think we should think about the word inspired when we talk about scripture being inspired. Now, I know a lot of our understanding is not only shaped by sermons that we've heard, let's say, it's also possibly shaped through maybe scripture itself, right? There is, of course, that very famous scripture, 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, that says all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Well, right there in Scripture, doesn't it say that all Scripture is God-breathed? Yes, well, yes and no. First of all, I think what would be helpful for all of us to understand, and this might be a shock to you, it was a shock to me the first time someone pointed it out to me, but if you go and turn to the Greek of that passage, 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17 what you will notice is that the Greek word for Scripture is nowhere in that verse. Wow. Think about that for a second. That means that your English translation of the New Testament, of that passage, 2 Timothy 3.16-17, isn't accurate. It's actually including a word there in English, Scripture, that doesn't appear there. Actually, the Greek word there that is translated as Scripture in our English Bibles is just the common everyday Greek word graphis or graphia, which just means writings. It's just a common word for writings. So a more accurate translation of that passage in the Greek, the original language, would be something like this. All of the God-breathed writings are useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So in other words, everything that is God-breathed, can be useful for our spiritual growth, our enlightenment, our development as followers of Christ. In other words, when you recognize that what that passage is saying, it's broadening the possibility of the, the list of things that God can speak through from just the Bible. In other words, it's not just Scripture, because the word Scripture doesn't even appear there. What the author of 2 Timothy wants us to understand is that Any and every God-breathed writing is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that we can be trained right as a servant of Christ for every good work. So that should beg the question, well, then what are God-breathed writings, right? Because when that verse was written, there was no New Testament. There was no New Testament canon. So it wasn't referring to any accepted list of New Testament writings that all Christians agreed on, because by the way, for the first like 400 years of Christian church history, there was no agreed upon New Testament canon. In fact, every church father had their own list of things. Irenaeus had his list, and Tertullian had a different list. Origen had a different list, and all these early church fathers had their own unique and personal list of books that they considered to be scripture. And guess what? They were fine with that. They were okay with the fact that not all of them agreed on what, quote-unquote, God-breathed writings were. So how do we determine what is a God-breathed writing if it's not specifically narrowly defined as Scripture? Well, I would suggest that God-breathed writings, the the way we determine whether or not a writing is, quote-unquote, God-breathed, is right there in the verse. 
is to just ask ourselves, well, how do we know if this writing is God-breathed? Well, we would just say, is it useful for me for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that I can be thoroughly equipped for every good work as I follow Christ? And if I apply that filter to determining whether or not something is quote-unquote God-breathed, well then, guess what? Things that are God-breathed can be a song on the radio, regardless of who wrote it, regardless of what the author even intended. It can be a film, a screenplay, a book, a movie, a poem, or a conversation with a friend, or even a, a silent walk alone in nature, that God can speak to me through any and all of those things. And whatever I experience, whatever I hear, if it is useful in helping me grow and teaching me, correcting me, training me in righteousness as a servant of God and as a disciple of Jesus Christ, well, guess what? That's God-breathed, and I should pay attention to that, right? And we see this actually even practiced. For example, I love when Paul goes to Athens in the book of Acts, and he sees an idol to the unknown God, and he stands before these pagan unbelievers, and he declares to them that Christ has fulfilled their scriptures, their writings, about this God who is unknown to them. He even quotes their own prophets and their poets to show them how Christ has fulfilled what was written by them. This is also the reason why we can see there is truth, in fact, truth that mirrors the kinds of truth that Jesus speaks about in Buddhism, in Hinduism, in many other religions, Native American religions. We can read these things and say, oh my gosh, that sounds just like what Jesus said. And that shouldn't threaten our faith. That should inspire us. That should give us even more faith and even more hope that, wow, God really is faithful, as he says he is. That if anyone knocks on the door, if anyone seeks after truth and after God, they will find it. They will find God if they're searching for God. And so, yes, of course, whenever Buddha or you know, any other religious person, or even just any regular everyday person like you or me. If we knock, if we seek, if we search, God will be found. God will reveal himself. God will speak to us the truth. And so I love this because it, it helps us understand that God is not bound in a book, that God can and does speak to us. Yes, in scripture, of course, but outside of scripture as well. God is not limited by what he did or said 2,000 years ago. And by taking a very hard, literal approach to Scripture and saying, well, the canon is closed, and everything God ever wanted to say to us, he said it through the Bible. And if God wants to say anything else, well, it has to agree with what he said and did 2,000 years ago. I would say, well, you are sort of putting God into a box. If nothing else, you are binding God in a book. Now, it also might shock you, but this is also, again, something that we see in Scripture. You know, Jesus tells us that the scriptures, first of all, he says the scriptures do not contain life, that there is no life in the scriptures. Believe it or not, yes, he does say that. When he says to the Pharisees, right, he says this in the Gospel of John chapter 5, starting at verse 39, he tells the Pharisees, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. So right there he says, if you're looking for eternal life in the scriptures, you will not find it. Because he says, they bear witness about me. And this was what he charged the Pharisees with. What he said to them after all this was this, you refuse to come to me 
that you might have life. So life isn't found in the book. Life is found in Jesus and our connection with Christ. And that's why we need to develop our ability to hear the voice, to discern the voice of God. God has poured out his spirit on all flesh. That means you and I are capable of hearing and knowing directly the voice of God. Because Christ abides in you and you abide in Christ, he is closer than your own heartbeat. And so he's not far away. Christ isn't some far away. He's not way, way up in heaven. We're not separated by some great chasm. No, he has made his home in you and with you. Now, the other thing is, as I alluded to, Jesus admits that the Bible, not only is there no life in the Bible, he actually admits that the Bible itself is incomplete. In other words, everything God has to say to humanity is not found in the Bible. And how do we know that? Well, because Jesus said so, (laughs) believe it or not. In John chapter 16, verses 12 through 13, here's what Jesus says. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them at the present time. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, or the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. So Jesus himself tells us, that all of the words that he wanted to say to us are not found in the New Testament. That that is not the entire sum of total wisdom and truth God wanted to communicate to us. Yes, a lot of it is, but there is more to know than we have in the New Testament. The truth is not only out there, but better yet, it's in here. (laughs) Meaning again, Christ is in you. And what's more the Gospel of John, the author of the Gospel of John, goes on to say, a little bit after this, in John twenty-one twenty-five, that Jesus did many other things as well. And if every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that could be written. So whenever another Christian tries to tell you that the only way to know Christ is through the Bible, or that the Bible is the only way we could ever know everything about Jesus, Please quote these two verses above. <laughs> Let remind them that according to Jesus and according to the Bible and according to the Gospel of John, the scriptures are incomplete. They're incomplete in giving us the full and complete picture and the record of who Jesus was and what Jesus had to say. So you might also remind them and maybe remind yourself, according to the Bible and to Jesus, the best way to hear the voice of God and the best way to to know the voice of Jesus is to draw near to the Spirit and listen. As David said in Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. And so if we get hung up on this idea of Scripture, as if Scripture is the only thing that's God-breathed, see, that's our misunderstanding. We tend to read that 2 Timothy verse 3.16 as if it's saying that only the Scriptures are God-breathed. But again, the word Scripture doesn't even appear there. What it really says is that all of the God-breathed writings are useful for teaching, correction, and training in righteousness. And what are God-breathed writings? Any writings or any teachings or any truth that we find useful for teaching, correction, and training in righteousness. That's what leads us to truth. The Spirit of Christ within us resonates like a tuning fork when we hear truth, no matter where the source is. It doesn't matter if it's a Alanis Morissette song on the radio or a line of dialogue in a film that we see streaming on Netflix or something. 
a poem that we read or a conversation we have with someone, when we hear profound truth that is God-breathed, Christ within us resonates like a tuning fork and says to us, this is it. Listen to this. Yes. Hold on to this. This is the truth that will heal you, that will set you free, that will give you the answers to the things that you're searching for. So again, if Jesus promised us that there was more to know than we have in the New Testament, if the gospel writers affirmed that there were that more was spoken than we have ever written down, then the canon is only closed if your heart and your mind are also closed. Once we open ourselves up to the living God and receive the truth that continues to resonate and reverberate throughout the universe, our inner tuning forks will begin to vibrate accordingly. So please never stop searching, never stop seeking, never stop listening to the voice of the Spirit of God. You have Christ within you, and you have the mind of Christ, and you and I have the ability to hear and know and understand the voice of Christ. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and my sheep know my voice. If you are a sheep, if you are a follower of Christ, if Christ abides in you, and you abide in Christ, and he is your good shepherd, I encourage you, I assure you, that you can hear his voice. He is capable of making his voice heard. You might say, well, I'm not sure I'm capable of discerning the voice. Okay, but understand that the Good Shepherd is capable of communicating to you so that you do hear and know his voice. So if you practice listening and work on that ability, he's also working to make sure that you have that clarity that you need. It's an ongoing conversation and an ongoing relationship with Christ. It's that gnosko we talked about before, this intimacy with Christ that conceives new life within us. So I hope you never reach the end of your curiosity about God or life or truth or wisdom or love or Christ. I encourage you to embrace this endlessly unfolding mystery of Christ because it's the river of living water that Jesus promised would flow from within. It's this abundant life that he said he came to reveal to us, to give to us freely. This is what it means to abide in Christ, as Christ abides in you. It's not about knowing facts, again, as we've said before, but it's a knowing that evokes a deep intimacy. In other words, I'm not just knowing Christ, he's knowing me. It's a two-way street. And as I am knowing Christ, and Christ is knowing me, and we are knowing one another in that gnosko kind of intimacy between a husband and a wife, that's the kind of intimacy and knowing that transcends knowledge and information and vocabulary. And as I've said a few times before, but I want to make sure I say here again, please never settle for a glass of certainty when you can become immersed in the endlessly unfolding ocean of mystery that is Christ. So bless you, my friends. I hope this was helpful to you. I hope it broadens your understanding of what it means to say that Scripture is inspired and to understand that it's not just Scripture that's inspired. There are many, many other things that are inspired, meaning that God can and will speak to us through those things. That truth is found in many places. We can discern what truth is God's truth by simply understanding and recognizing what of those truths are useful for our teaching and training and our growth in righteousness as we follow Christ. If this was a blessing to you, let me know. I'd love to hear about it. If you are using the Ethos Radio app, please use that voice feature there. Leave me a little note. I might even feature one of those notes on an upcoming episode. You never know. 
And thank you again for listening to Second Cup with Keith. I'll see you next time. God bless.